Kelly, have you ever, by any chance, seen a toddler learning how to walk? Yes, and it's quite painful. It is, right? And so when they face plant, what do you say to a toddler that's trying to walk and falling on its face? I instantly want to scoop them up and just say, aw, and kind of pat them down. Right? You're not like, what's wrong with you, dumb baby? You're so lazy, you stupid. Right? Because like... Not only would that be vaguely illegal, but also a baby's not going to want to walk if you're talking that way to it. And yet it's amazing to me how many of us, we would never, ever talk like that to someone we love or care about, but we talk that way to ourselves when we face plant. Today, we're going to talk about self-compassion, which is the practice of being an ally to yourself rather than an enemy. Self-love and self-compassion is really a game changer. And I think the sooner we all get that, the better off we'll be. All right, let's get to it. I'm really excited about today's episode. Can you tell us about Shivani? Absolutely. So Shivani describes herself as both a high achiever and a people pleaser. It's a combination that has gotten her very far in life because she's actually really great at knowing what people need and she excels at delivering it. Now, when Shivani succeeds, she feels like she's on top of the world. It's satisfying to do well and to make others feel good while she's doing it. The problem comes in when Shivani fails. That's when she's consumed by self-blame and she can't shake the feeling that she has let everyone down. So no matter what the circumstances of the situation are, Shivani always defaults to two questions. She's asking herself, what did I do wrong or what is wrong with me? She knows she's beating herself up and that it isn't healthy, but it also kickstarts her into action. It gives her this sense of control over whatever is challenging her. And she figures that if the problem is her fault, then she should be able to fix it. So recently, after a presentation Shivani gave, her manager told her that she needs to refine her strategic thinking skills, especially if she wants to be promoted. But Shivani doesn't really know what that means. And not understanding what her boss wants has left Shivani feeling like maybe strategy just isn't something she's cut out to do. She started to wonder if she needs to find another role. So what is happening with Shivani? What's going on here, Rachel? Well, first of all, I don't think Shivani's alone in wondering what strategic thinking means. I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's like executive presence. Like it means like 10 different things to 10 different people. Agreed. Aside mm-hmm. from that... You know, I think Shivani is caught in a cycle of habitual self-blame. And like a lot of us, she's using self-blame as her Red Bull. It's like her caffeine. And she kind of figures being hard on myself is going to allow me to have the momentum that I need to get better. And it's understandable why we do it. But unfortunately, research doesn't agree with it. What research says is that being overly self-critical can do everything from sap our motivation to undermine our self-efficacy, which is basically whether or not we think we can succeed at a given task. And self-efficacy is a big component of confidence. So by extension, being hard on yourself can really kneecap your confidence. I read a study of college students which talked about how self-criticism made them less likely to progress towards their goals and more likely to report procrastination. 
And also mm -hmm. self-criticism is linked to a higher prevalence of depression, um, as well as everything from eating disorders and dissatisfaction in life to difficulty maintaining relationships. My guess is Shivani is a perfectionist. And like most perfectionists, she is holding herself to really, really high standards, kind of ruthlessly high standards. And that's yeah. probably leaving her with that constant feeling of not being enough as she is. Because when you're always trying to be better than you are, it's really hard not to walk around with a pervasive sense that you're not enough, right? Because you can always do more and win more. And I think ultimately self-criticism is giving Shivani a sense of control. She sort of figures if the problem is her, then the assumption is she's just not trying hard enough. And so for someone who's a high achiever and a perfectionist and you want to kind of see each day as like a series of accomplishments to check off the list, it's pretty seductive to think, yeah. oh, this is just my fault and I have to deal with it so I can take care of it. Man, you really hit on a lot of great points. And based off of some of the things you've said, I can relate to Shivani. I consider myself to be a recovering perfectionist, but I think it is sometimes hard to tell where the line between accountability begins and then the self-criticism ends. It really can start to get a little blurry there. So can you tell us about the questions Shivani asked herself? What did I do wrong or what is wrong with me? I was really struck by that too. And I think those questions talk to us about a couple of different responses to mistakes or to a problem that we might have. So it's the difference between guilt and shame. Those are the two mm -hmm. things we sort of learned here. So what is the difference? Well, guilt is when you feel like you've done a thing that's wrong. And shame is when you feel like who you are is wrong. And how wow. we react to a mistake that we've made or when we're criticizing ourselves, that plays a huge role in whether or not we're going to recover. Because if you say to yourself, listen, like my presentation wasn't what it needed to be. I did a thing that I'd like to do differently next time. Mm -hmm. That is so different than saying, I am a bad person. I'm defective. Like something is wrong with me as a human being. That's right. the kind of response to a mistake or a setback that can really make you not want to get out of bed, not want to fix what's going on. And so if we want to recover better from mistakes and if we want to really moderate our self-criticism, it's much more effective. It's much healthier to stay in that place of I did a bad thing than I'm a bad person. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, research tells us that women are more likely to report feeling shame okay. and to be harder on themselves and to be more prone to negative self-talk. And when you feel shame, you really, like I said, you kind of want to get in bed. You want to isolate. You don't really want to connect with people. You don't want to ask for help to make that presentation better. You just kind of want to give up. Nobody beats us down more than we beat ourselves down at times. So everything you said, I mean, is extremely relatable, right? It's amazing how when we see others in distress or being hard on themselves, we will rush to their aid to try to make them feel better. No, you did great. It wasn't that bad. But we're not always as able to do the same thing for ourselves. And like you said, it really does show up a lot more in women. So thanks for that, Rachel. 
Um, how would you say that Shivani's self-criticism is affecting her ability to respond to her manager's feedback about being more strategic? I think Shivani gets to stand like all of us at this crossroads when she makes a mistake and she sort of gets to decide how she wants to interpret it. Like we kind of all get the chance to tell ourselves a particular story about why we made a mistake and what it means to us. And Shivani's kind of making the decision here that instead of like, maybe I need to get some support on my strategic thinking, or maybe my manager could develop me more in this space, she's decided to go in a different direction, which is maybe I'm not cut out for it. And so her self-criticism is really undermining her sense of her own potential to recover, to kind of take the steps she needs to take in order to respond to the feedback, to action the feedback, and to develop as a result of it. And Shivani has an option here, actually. And does she have to blame herself exclusively? Is it possible, as in so many instances that I've experienced as a coach, is it possible that maybe her manager just didn't really spend time developing her in that area? Is it possible that her current responsibilities for her role have kind of kept her from learning more strategic mm -hmm. thinking or practicing it? There are always possibilities beyond I am the problem or beyond I am so not cut true. out for this. And we get to decide how to tell that story. And if we decide that really we're the problem, we're not going to be motivated. We're going to be more driven by fear. Now it's like, what if people think I'm not cut out for this? Now I'm afraid to fail. Now I'm afraid of being exposed as incompetent. Now I don't want to let anyone down. And that doesn't get you kind of amped to deal with yourself and get better at something. It just makes you kind of want to cower. And so what it does is it doesn't just kind of mess with your confidence, but this self-criticism really puts a ceiling on your risk-taking because if you don't think that highly of yourself, you're not going to put yourself out there. So true. She sort of isolated herself into a bubble in a way, thinking that all the problems start and begin with her. But you made a good point if she could just ask more questions. Maybe there are some gaps in her and her manager's communications. There's so many other angles to look at it, but she sort of defaults to it's all my fault. And in most instances, that's completely untrue. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. You mentioned this especially impacts women. Why is it that women tend to beat themselves up more when they make a mistake? I think it goes back to how we grew up. A lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us got the message growing up that in order to feel valuable as girls, you have to please other people. You have mm -hmm. to kind of think about what they want. You have to make them happy with how you do in school or how you behave in your friendships. And we get the sense that it's not only that we're more valued, but we're more liked. So it's like people will like us if we please them. And then as we get older, we start to understand that by being productive and being a high performer, wow, you know, that pleases other people too. And we get good grades and we get great performance evaluations. And then this thing starts to happen, which is that we start to have trouble distinguishing between the tasks that we're accomplishing in our performance and how people view us. So if we mess up, we start to focus not so much on the task that we made a mistake at, but we start to wonder, 
if other people are upset with us? Have I let mm. people down? Are people going to like me less? And so we fail to distinguish between our performance and then the relationships with people that we have around us. And so I think that's a big part of why women beat themselves up when they make a mistake because they worry, you know, maybe I've let people down. I'm not pleasing people in the ways that I've been told to do it. So it sounds like women are more likely to internalize what has happened or what went wrong. Whereas men, for example, they'll just shake it off or chop it up as a fluke or we'll get them next time, bro, or, you know, something like that. But women, we make the entire situation all about us and even who we are as a person. Also, a lot of women are likely when they receive criticism to make what's called an internal attribution. So they think this happened to me because there's something wrong with my ability in this area. It's really interesting when girls and boys are in the classroom growing up, what research has found is that girls do tend to get more feedback about their ability and boys tend to get more feedback about their behavior. So boys are more mm -hmm. likely to hear like, hey, stop throwing that spitball and stop calling out, behave yourself. Girls are more likely to hear feedback about their ability in certain disciplines. And that's in part because girls are typically not throwing spitballs and not calling out. Right. And so what happens is it can be the case that girls then develop a sense that when someone's giving me feedback, it means that my ability is not so good in this area, as opposed to maybe there's some other kind of circumstance besides my ability that I could look at. So we all get to make a choice about when we make a mistake. Is it because of my ability or is there an external attribution we could make? Is there another factor outside of me? Is it that my manager hasn't really developed me in this space? When we go to that internal place of this is about me, it's a lot harder to get back up and keep fighting for what you want or the change that you want to see. This whole conversation, to be honest, is reminding me of back in my call center days. I remember I would have a whiteboard in my desk area and I wrote on the whiteboard, never a victim, always a victor, because I recognize how important it is to have the positive self-talk because we can be so hard on ourselves. So whenever there be a crazy situation that happened or something that left me feeling a certain way related to work, it's easy to go into that victim mode and start thinking, what did I do wrong? Or just beating yourself up or just blowing the whole situation out of proportion. And so I would put that note there to remind myself, like, I'm not a victim, always a victor. And, and that challenges you to look at things differently. So I feel that right in my gut when you say that. What an incredible check that is on ourselves, right? Like yes. to really reorient our focus. That's wonderful. Because mm -hmm. how easy is it to go into victim mode, right? It's everybody's fault. Oh, woe is me. And, you know, everything's wrong with me. And it's like that is lies most of the time or assumptions. So. Yeah. And Thank like, you. also it's not gonna, um, it's not gonna help us, right? Like that's what mm -hmm. we're learning is that we think that being hard on ourselves is going to fuel us, but it's not. Absolutely agree. So what would you say is the alternative? Is there a way to deal with misfortune or mistake or just feeling inadequate without being so hard on ourselves? There is, it's called self-compassion. And there've been over a thousand studies done on self-compassion. And what is it? Well, first of all, it is the act of treating yourself when you suffer, when you make a mistake, when you feel inadequate in some way with the same care and the same comfort that you would show to someone that you love. Because as you pointed out earlier, aren't we so much nicer to other people? We're yes. so much more likely to comfort others when they suffer and to be 
way harder on ourselves. But over a thousand studies have found that self-compassionate people show less extreme reactions to stress. They tend to have less negative emotions. They have more accepting thoughts. They have a greater tendency to put their problems in perspective. I mean, who doesn't want all this? This sounds pretty sweet. They're less likely to revert to feelings of shame and worthlessness, and they don't experience less self-efficacy as a result. So it's clear that there is another way to respond to difficulty and to mistakes that doesn't have to compromise us emotionally. Makes a ton of sense. Even as you're describing it, it already just feels warm. I'm rocking in my chair as you explain self-compassion because it's so necessary and it's, it's such a helpful tool. So with that said, though, isn't just being nice to yourself the equivalent of pretending you didn't make a mistake or would you say it's being in denial about what's really happening? Like, how do we keep from going too far? It's like the doubters. I mean, I grew up in a family that full on would have made fun of self-compassion had they known what it was. I grew up in a family of immigrants. And so, you know, the immigrant mentality is like self-compassion is that's for weak people. Like you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and take your punches and keep fighting. And so I think it's really easy to think that this is just some way to excuse your mistakes or not own up and not really confront what's going on. It's not that at all. Really what self-compassion is, it's comforting yourself when you are struggling, but it's not trying to pretend that it's not happening or that you don't need to be accountable. And in fact, a lot of people have said to me, look, if I'm nice to myself, I'm going to get out of bed. Being mean to myself (laughs) is how I get out of bed. So I'm going to become paralyzed. Like I'm going to, I'm just going to be sitting on my couch, binge watching Netflix all day if I'm nice to Mm -hmm. myself. So of course the researchers needed to check that out. And what they found was that self-compassionate people are just as likely to have high personal standards as people that don't have it. They're just less likely to beat themselves up when they fall short. That's the difference. And I think we just have to remember that beating yourself up doesn't make you move forward. It just holds you back from that process. Other things that researchers have found is that self-compassionate people are more likely to be oriented to personal growth than their self-critical peers, meaning they're really thinking about how they can continue to develop and change. They also procrastinate less, and they're more likely to formulate specific plans to reach their goals, as well as establish more balance in their lives. So researchers have definitively answered that question with a resounding no, meaning will I spend the rest of my life watching Netflix in my pajamas if I'm nice to myself? Definitely not. So it sounds like self-compassion is winning despite what we all think. So talking bad to ourselves and just letting that voice in our head that's beating us down win is not helping anybody. So loud and clear, got you on that one. Okay, so how can someone like Shivani start building more of a habit of self-compassion? Where can she begin? Well, there are three steps to practice self-compassion, and they are really kind of amazingly simple. I want to share them with you now. And let's use Shivani's example in this instance of having been given feedback about her presentation and being told she needs to refine her strategic thinking skills. So that's something that's causing her suffering. And anybody who is listening right now could follow along with me and think about something that's causing them suffering and follow these three steps. So the first step is called mindfulness. And what it really means is, can you connect with how you're feeling about what's bothering you without judging 
without judging yourself or anybody else. Like, cause a lot of times when we are suffering, we'll just go right into the, like, I'm so stupid. I'm such an idiot. I got to make it better. But instead of that, could you actually just say to yourself what you're feeling? Kind of like you're empathizing with yourself, sort of telling yourself, this is how I feel and it's okay to feel it. So I would say, and Kelly, I'd love to get your input on this. I think Shivani's probably feeling embarrassed right now. What else would you say? I think she feels inadequate. Yeah, embarrassed, inadequate, doesn't want to ask any probing questions because she feels like she should know what her manager meant by strategy. But to your earlier point, it can be a very broad thing. It's not specific, but she doesn't see it that way. She's definitely feeling inadequate. She's probably feeling a little scared because she knows she needs to fix something, but she doesn't know how. And so what Shivani needs to say to herself is, I feel embarrassed. I feel scared. And if she didn't know what she was feeling, the first step could just be saying something like, this is really hard. All you're doing is you're acknowledging in this moment how you feel and that you have every right to feel whatever you're feeling instead of questioning it, instead of judging, right? And so that's the first step. The second step is called self-kindness. And in this step, we ask ourselves, if somebody that I loved was going through what I was going through, what would I tell them? Because Kelly, you pointed out, right? If, if we were talking mm-hmm. to a friend, we'd probably give them great advice. So imagine that Shivani has a close friend who's been given this same advice about needing to refine her skills and been given this feedback about her presentation. What do you think Shivani would say to her friend to encourage her? Well, one, she'd probably compliment her. She'd probably say, you are amazing at what you do. It's probably not that bad. Take time, ask your manager a few questions, get the help that you need. I think she'd probably tell her several things uh, that could prove to be helpful, but I'm sure they would all be more positive than negative, of course. So exactly what we would want then Shivani to do is to just give that advice to herself. This is really one of the easiest things we can do. We just call to mind somebody that we love, somebody we respect, somebody that we often give this kind of advice to, talk to them, and then just give that advice to yourself. And so that's really what Shivani could do. As you point out, just ask your manager. You're great at what you do. It's probably not that bad. So this is the moment where you really comfort yourself. And the last step is called common humanity. And common humanity basically means, is Shivani the only person who's ever been given this kind of feedback following a presentation? Is she the only person who's ever been told she might need to develop a set of skills in a certain area? Of course not. But when you think you're the only one, Mm -hmm. it's just the worst, right? You just think, God, I'm so defective. Like there's not another person like me who's suffering in this way. So clearly I'm like pathetic (laughs) and awful. So the idea here is you think about other people who might be going through what you're going through. So Shivani needs now to just connect with the fact that she's not the only one. There isn't anything wrong with her. She's one of goodness knows how many people who've been given feedback like this. And the idea here is that this should comfort her in some way and should make her feel a little bit less alone. And her problems are hard, but certainly not anything she can't address. Yeah, I like those steps that you've outlined for self-compassion. And so basically, Shivani, she needs to rush to her own aid at this point, because oftentimes we think we are alone, as you mentioned, and we don't always have anybody immediately there to support us. So if we remember those three steps, you know, to do the positive self-talk and show ourselves that compassion in the moment, then it'll keep us from spiraling until we do have a chance to talk to someone that we can relate to or 
I mean, to your point, we might not always have a loved one right then and there that we can talk to, but we can ask ourselves, what would I say if I were giving advice to someone that I cared about? That makes total sense. I'm really relating to the point where you say we feel like we're the only ones. Fairly recently, actually, I was having a, a tough time focusing. Like the entire day, I could just not focus to save my life. And I'm over here self-diagnosing, convincing myself that I might have adult ADHD. I'm coming up with everything in the book. And then it just so happens there was a, a wellness program or a podcast that was available for the organization organization that I work in. And I listened to it. And lo and behold, over 200 people on the call pretty much are relating to the same exact thing that I'm going through. And I just couldn't help but laugh because everything that they were saying was hitting on exactly what I was feeling. So it was an excellent reminder that it's not only me, even when it feels like it. So I'm sure many of us can relate to that. That's such a great story. And and I think what you said about rushing to your own aid and feeling like you're the only one right now, it's so relevant as we deal with working from home. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to feel like I must be the only one going through this when yeah. it's just kind of you and your dog at home or whoever mm-hmm. it is. Or no um, dog, even worse. No, or <laughs> no dog. You. Or no dog. I I reference my own dog. But yeah, it's really easy because you don't get to see other people going through what you're going through. So this kind of work is so important just to remind yourself when you're by yourself Mm -hmm. that you're not alone. A couple of other things just to mention too is that we can give ourselves comfort, actually physical comfort. One thing I talk to my students about is you can just put your hands on your heart. If you just take two hands and put your hands on your heart and feel the pressure there, just feel the comfort Mm -hmm. that it gives you. You can take your hands and put them on your face, just sort of cup your cheeks with your hands. And look, I can tell you, it didn't feel that comfortable at first when I did this. I was like, am I really hugging myself right now? Like what's happening? And by the way, you can hug yourself. But what we know is that this can release oxytocin, which is um, has a very comforting effect and is a form of self-soothing. So we're not self-soothing because we want to be weak. We're self-soothing so that we can, and I'm about to quote Cardi B right now, so get ready. We can get knocked <laughs> down nine times, but get up 10. I really think Cardi B nails it with that one. She does. This is good stuff, Rachel. And I'll tell you, one of the things that you said that really stuck out to me was the piece about looking over the situation without placing judgment on it. I read quite some time ago that the highest form of emotional intelligence is to observe yourself without judging yourself. And man, it makes all the difference in the world to kind of step back almost like a third party, like kind of reviewing everything that happened and then asking yourself, well, what might have caused me to react that way? Why do I feel this way? What in my past or something that may have recently happened to me could I be inserting into this situation? Just asking yourself all the questions that you might ask a friend or might ask a loved one, but not judging yourself in the moment. You're literally just trying to seek understanding for yourself and then that can make all the difference so I'm glad you touched on that I couldn't have said it better than you so (laughs) why don't don't we leave it there on that wonderful emotional intelligence note Kelly thank you so much for talking with me today about self-compassion thank you Rachel always a pleasure I enjoyed this one a lot Looking Up, a Unity podcast has been brought to you by PayPal, developed in partnership with Rachel Simmons, and produced by Wheelhouse Media.
A special thank you to Jocelyn for use of her incredible song, Speak Up. 